Today's Tuesday, February 4th, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. Andy Reid finally gets over the hump as the Chiefs are Super Bowl champs. Some of our Ravens bring home some prestigious NFL Honors Awards over the weekend. The Terps win their fourth straight and have a big test on the road tonight. And what other potential moves could be on the horizon for the O's? Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Yes, yes. What's up, BSers? What is up, peeps? Fred, Scott, Brian, all in the studio tonight. We got guest appearance, James Caruzzi, Mr. Pizza Johns himself is here. Uh, big BSer fan. Appreciate being here, In a live studio here, audience the past several weeks. That's right. Dedication. That's what that is. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we got a lot to talk about on the show. Uh, as I mentioned pre-show, I mean, Andy Reid and the Chiefs finally get it done. 50 years in the making for the Chiefs uh, and the first for Andy Reid. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a long time coming. He was happy afterwards. Yeah, so we're gonna get into that. I, I was pretty happy for Andy. Uh, some of the Ravens uh, brought home some pretty prestigious NFL honors awards this weekend. Maybe it wasn't the one that we all expected, uh, or we all not expected, but all hoped for. But maybe a couple that were expected. Yes, makes ab- sense. Absolutely. <laughs> and the Terps, man, they stay hot. They win their fourth straight game. Tip off. Already underway at 7 o'clock tonight, so we're unable to watch that. But, uh, man, this team's really turned the tide. They look like a really serious contending team at this point. They do. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they do down the stretch and some uh, some big names kind of coming out in the forefront. That's right. And Birdland's back. We're going to talk some Orioles. I know you guys got into it a little bit last week. But we're going to talk about some uh, potential moves on the horizon, uh, maybe some things to look forward to in this dark and gloomy <laughs> rebuild process. I know it's hard. I know us diehards out there, you know, we're going to ride or die with this team. We understand the expectations. I know for the casual fan, though, uh, it can be a little tough. No, it's definitely going to be tough. And there's some some things that people are upset about this week. And I think to an extent, rightfully so. We're going to get into that during that section. So before we get into too much, I want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, not sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will just handle your case and give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, even during the offseason. They're constantly giving stuff away. Make sure you go like their page. All right, Scott, but before we dive into too much Ravens, we got to talk about the Super Bowl first and foremost. Obviously, that was the big football event over the weekend. And I say event because this was, for me, I mean, it's 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 more so than just a football game. It's a spectacle, right? It's everything. Right. There was, I think, 24 hours of pregame coverage. I'm exaggerating there. It was like I literally woke up at 9 a.m. Fox went all day. And NFL Network was on all day long with pregame football stuff. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's literally an all-day event. I think the NFL 
does it better than any other professional sport out there as far as the the championship event game. Oh yeah, they they take it they take it to a whole nother level. I mean, it's a little harder than some of the other games because in other sports, you got to remember it's also a series. So right. it's a spread across multiple days, but that's where they have it right is they're they're really going all in on that one day and while it is only one day event, the actual event of the Super Bowl it's literally all week. It is a week-long event for these media guys, the media personnel. They were all down in Miami all week long. Right. There's different um, events and different concerts and different things going off throughout the week. Uh, the the, the uh, punt pass uh, and, kick. Punt and kick contest that they do with the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, there's it, it really is a carnival down there, so to speak, when you have that entire week going on. So you, you had Gronk doing his Gronk beach party, beach party thing. You had Bill Belichick down there in, sh in cargo shorts, sandals and plaid, uh, whatever that was, whatever the <laughs> hell shirt he was wearing a beach attire. He looked like Jimmy Johnson. In my opinion, like, so yeah, that's I something Jimmy Johnson would wear it. out on his boat down in Florida. Yeah. Weird to see Belichick wearing something like that. Uh, but he had all kinds of people come through that party. Uh, yeah. I saw a bunch of different names. Um, I know that, that, he had Shaq stop in for a little bit. Shaq yeah. had his own party. Right. Um, he had some of the the big wigs and some of the big names in WWE. Yeah. Uh, show up. So it, there was a lot of people that showed up. It was it was good to see Shaq back out there. I know he's been an emotional mess since yeah. the whole Kobe situation. So it was good for him to get out there, let loose a little bit, cool. have some fun. Cool story about Shaq. Uh, the guy that I've showed you, Charlie, uh, yeah. Charlie Peacher. Go look him up. Guy does amazing photos. Um, would love to have him out to one of our events. And I've talked to you about that, Charlie. Shaq has now, for the second year, asked him to come down. He shot Shaq's event down there. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. Really cool for him. But he was, you know, because of that connection, he even was, you know, saying it was really sad just to kind of see it. And it was nice to kind of sit there and talk and get everybody's mind off that, despite right. the media putting a microphone in his face every time they had a chance going, yeah. hey, what do you think? Yeah, it's the media for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we got to talk about the game. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl 31 to 20 uh, in a game that started off kind of slow on offense for both teams, I think the 49ers, I give them all the credit. I mean, the 49ers played great defense in this game for about three and a half quarters, or three and a quarter quarters. Bosa uh, almost seemed unstoppable in the first quarter, especially. Bosa had double-digit pressures in this game. If the 49ers would have won this game, hands down, he would have been my pick for MVP in that game, yeah. regardless of the other stats that everybody put up. It was... <laughs> Kind of sad to see such a big grown man crying on the sidelines after the game. I get it, though. I mean, that just goes to show the passion and how serious he takes the game. But, man, I tell you, I said going into that game that I thought the only way the Chiefs don't win that game, that, that game is, one, if they beat themselves, or two, if everything that the 49ers have done investing in the defensive line, all the first-round draft picks, all the money that they've, you know, that they've dumped into that defensive line, if that – can come to fruition and actually play like like they should or they could play right. uh, and get Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, then the 49ers actually have a chance. And they did that for three quarters. And then Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things. Well, Shanahan also did Shanahan things. That's very true. <laughs> this is now the second time for Shanahan. Touche. Uh, but look, he got it. I think Andy Reid is a master at getting into people's heads. He is. And he was able to get into Kyle Shanahan's head, let him kind of lax off a little bit there in the fourth, and they took full advantage of it. Yeah. You know, we talk, you talked about, you know, Bosa being the MVP. Going into halftime, you and I and Brian were talking about 
maybe Kyle Juszczyk, former Raven, yeah. could be the MVP. Caught yeah. a touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah I, I talked about that. Yeah, he really was. He was really close to a second touchdown. Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of Joey Bo or Nick, Nick Bosa, Bosa. Uh, I think, yeah, Juszczyk, if the 49ers would have won, would have been another solid pick for MVP. He right. had a great game. But, like we said, Andy Reid is Andy Reid. He, he is <sighs> able to, pardon the, the, the statement, but he is able to – Freaking mind fuck some of his opponents, some of his his opposing coaches, because he he is able to to come up with these schemes, these plays. He, he puts them in at the right time. You know that that as they call it the I, uh, the, the Waffle House menu that oh, he's got. That's great. Oh, that's <laughs> it's, great. It's, I think after the game, all he could talk about was wanting to go get a cheeseburger. cheeseburger. Too. Exactly, it was, it was awesome. Now the thing with the thing with this game was, I thought both teams in the first half came out way too conservative. Oh, offensively, agreed. both teams came out way too conservative, and Andy Reid finally took the reins off of Patrick Mahomes in that third quarter, and you started to see things change. And I kept telling you guys, because we we all got together, we had a little bit of a Super Bowl party here at Scott's house, appreciate yeah. you having us all over, it was a great time. Good time. Uh, but we talked during that game, I said, don't count this Chiefs team out. Brian, I know you had said, I don't know, man, they don't look like they're going to pull it out this game. The Chiefs... I don't know how like you can forget so easily. The Chiefs put up 24 points against the Texans in a matter of a blink of an eye right. mm -hmm. in that playoff game. Now, I know the 49ers' defense is a totally different animal than the Texans, but, again, this is why I was so high on the Chiefs going in. I know a lot, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, and I said this last week. Patrick Mahomes is absolutely the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I do believe Lamar was the most valuable player this year and the totality of his effect. But just talking about the fundamental position of the quarterback and what he's able to do, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. I, I forget who who on the national stage was saying it. I, I, I wish I could remember who said it. You may have, you may have heard it or remembered it. But somebody, somebody made the comment. They said that, look, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback because he is above and beyond the better passer, right? He's You're talking a, passing quarterbacks, a hundred percent correct. Lamar is on on that end of the spectrum with the run game. He is far and above what Patrick Mahomes is able to able to do on the field. He's the more complete player. Correct, and harder to game plan against. That's why he's the MVP. Just because you're the MVP doesn't necessarily make you the best quarterback. And I think you make a, a great point with that. Is that when you look at everything, he was most valuable to his team in his position. With another quarterback, could they have run the still run the same scheme in uh, Kansas City? Maybe not. I'll be honest with you, though. Kansas City didn't do too bad when they had Matt Moore out there when Patrick Mahomes did go down. Now, Fair granted, enough. I don't think the scoring the, wasn't the as Chiefs near. don't win the Super Bowl with Matt Moore at quarterback. That's no. not what I'm saying at all. Patrick Mahomes, and, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy about fans. Uh, some of our fan base, some of the Chiefs fan base, it, it, it goes across the board with both fan bases. But if you pay to attention to too much to social media, you'll see it's constantly Kansas City fans shitting on Lamar. It's constantly Ravens fans shitting on Patrick Mahomes. Why can't we all just agree that these are two of the best players in the NFL and in just enjoy it? Like realize that these two guys are going to be around for the next decade and are going to put on a fantastic show. The rivalry yeah. that we're going to see between these two teams generate over the next few that years. That was exactly going to be my question to you. Is is this is this the maybe that it's not the exact matchup rivalry, but is this a Peyton Brady, Breeze Brady esque type situation to it? These are generational players at quarterback that are changing the way that I mean, just let's think about it. Last year. 
Pat Mahomes was the MVP because we were all going, holy shit, this guy's able to, on a regular basis, able to sidearm it, no look pass to a guy and be accurate. Yeah. And we're like, oh, and now this year it's, oh my God. What is, so now you have these two competing against each other in the FC on a regular basis. This could be a, a weekly piece that we see them really dive in or I shouldn't say weekly, a yearly piece, that we see them really dive in and be able to match up against each other. And if these teams are able to stay healthy in other areas, these are the two teams you could see in the playoffs every year for the next 100%. Eight to 10 years. 100%. And I think the Brady and Manning comparison, as far as rivalry goes, is relevant in the sense that they're both from the same conference, right? So right. you're never going to see them in the Super Bowl. You're going to have that interconference rival between the two. But, I mean, look, it's a small sample size. We're talking about a year and a half of seeing these two guys out on the field at the same time, a couple of matchups so far against each other, which so far Mahomes has only got the upper so hand in those, yeah. in those matchups. Uh, but if everything stays the course that it's on and these guys continue the path and get better and better every year, there's there's no doubt that this is going to be the new NFL rivalry. These are going to be the new faces of the NFL. That, this will have to be the matchup that every year it is, you know, it is your Monday night football game. It is your yeah. primetime game. It needs to be. It has to be. Oh, yeah. All the shit that we've been talking about for years now about the Ravens not getting enough primetime games. If there, So here's the deal. In my eyes, if that happens, if that continues to happen, despite us having Lamar, if that continues to happen, I am all about the fact that there might be a conspiracy theory at that point. Because here you have a primetime player. The I'm NFL, it is, the NFL first it. and foremost, is about their money. And they make Agreed. their money based on ratings. And wh what could you not find in stores when you were looking for it during the oh, NFL season? Agreed. Agreed. But what game? What games were you flexing at the end of the year? Yeah. Well, you were flexing games. Flexing <laughs> games is a little bit different because there's so many factors in when you can flex a game and when you can't. So it's a little bit different than when you're just scheduling in the beginning of the year. Who's oh, prime time and who's that not. Way. <clears throat> the but Ravens are about to have a shit ton of home be. primetime games in Baltimore, night games, and I can't wait for it. And they better not have to travel to to uh, Europe either, in, over to England. Right. That that better that better not happen to them. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I can't imagine that. They typically well, put out like the the bottom dwellers, the like the the, the, Jags the Jaguars are over, there twice. over there all the freaking time. But the Jaguars are actually over there. They announced the Jaguars are over there twice next year because they're trying to increase the revenue. Yeah. But what would it be for the UK? That's what scares me. What would it be for the UK audience to see a Lamar Jackson? Oh, it'd be great. I mean, it would be huge, but you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because the Ravens are going to sell out pretty oh, yeah. much every single game. This this fan base, as the year went, it went on, started to grow and get more and more full as the year went on. That's just going to get better and better. Right now, I have never seen Ravens fans in full support and behind this team as much as I have over the past like three or four months. The changes. A that, team that hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. Right. A team that hadn't really proven anything yet. Just went on an amazing run. 14 and two. Best record. Best season. Regular season of, in Ravens history. Yeah. The, this the city is buzzing. And I've, I've said this multiple times. Like Lamar. And you saw this in some of the NFL honors awards. This dude just absolutely gets it. I didn't want to talk about the, you know, the doubters and stuff like that. I wanted to talk about the ones who believed in me because, you know, they were there from the start. And I want to thank all the coaches who ever coached me, you know, on his own journey. I want to thank my brothers. I mean, my brother, my sisters, and my teammates. They're my brothers, too, as well. You know, in the NFL, guys, because it's a unit at the end of the day. It's a business. 
but we family off the field. Thank you, guys. And that was – it's great. That, like, kind of your point. He really gets it. He's – He's the total package. I mean, forget just for a second what he brings to the football team as far as on-field ability. Just everything, the total package, his involvement already in the community, his involvement with the kids, the way he talks to the media, doesn't turn down interviews, invites questions, even though he gets hammered with the same questions, even though he's gotten hammered with criticism since day one, since his days going back from high school to college, yeah. from college <laughs> to the pros, and now from a freaking Heisman Award to an NFL MVP award. Yeah, and he's getting praise, you know, on all levels. And even from a celebrity, and we talked, that was his award, you know, him giving his award speech. But take a listen to the presentation of that. For only the second time in history, there was just one person that this year everyone voted for. It was the same person. It's, it's pretty incredible. In fact, it's LaMarvelous. So congratulations to this year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. And that's Paul Rudd, <laughs> I, a lifelong Kansas City Chief fan. Who presented Mahomes with the MVP trophy last year. Right. And, I mean, just, again, the appreciation that he has, the respect that he has, not just here in Baltimore, but he's become that, I told you before, I said this, I said this in the very beginning of the season when things started going down a certain path. I said, he's got that quote-unquote, rock star celebrity status. He's got the it factor. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. And, and he's taking it with humble pie. That's the biggest thing is he's so humble. He doesn't get too big-headed. He doesn't allow distractions. No. Like, you can just see that this kid is laser-focused and he truthfully wants to be the best that he can possibly be. All yeah. the people out there that want to question whether he's going to go into the offseason now that he's had an MVP award, now that he's done a 14-2 and two year, is he going to go into the offseason with the same kind of work ethic that he did last year? You bet your ass he is. Yeah, and that's, that definitely is something that he's not going to shy away from by any means. Uh, you know, the other guy that brings home some hardware this weekend before the Super Bowl, we're going to talk back about Super Bowl for a minute here in, a, in yeah. just a minute, but the other thing was Harbaugh getting – his award for coach of the year and, and what he had to say, I think to your credit, you're the one that kind of pointed out. It was, it was quite telling of some of his comments. This, this is football. And uh, these are really team awards. None more so than this award right here. You guys know that, right? And uh, we have a lot to be grateful for. First of all, a God who uh, is worthy to be trusted in every situation. Really grateful for my family, Ingrid and Allison. They couldn't be here because Allison had a big basketball game today and they won. All right? Yeah, so proud of them. They're the best people I know. Mom and dad, brother Jim, sister Joni. Uh, for our organization that is really a top-notch organization, Dick Cass is here, led by Steve Bashotti, very talented man, very visionary type guy. Ravens fans all over. We love our fans. And mostly, and above all, our players and our coaches. Uh, we got some special people. They're a joy. Okay, Ronnie, I know you're out there. They're a joy. Lamar, Mark are here. Ray, you set the tone. A joy to work with every single day and, and an honor to be around. Players and coaches, you make it happen. Thank you very much. You know, Scott, <clears throat> I'm going to give you some shit here because around this time last year, a certain somebody sitting next to me was calling for Harbaugh's head. I was. And here we go. In one full year, he goes from potentially losing his job to now being the NFL coach of the year. And I. The reason I was was because I was I was convinced that he was not behind 
Lamar in the situation. I felt like he was he felt like he was handcuffed the way his his press conferences were going. I didn't think he wanted to do it. And then getting away at the end of the year with Morningwig. I still have question marks of what the hell happened in that Tennessee game. I still have question marks. I still blame John Harbaugh. Period. I think John Comes Harbaugh, down. rightfully so, gets some of that blame. But when you're talking Coach of the Year award, it's a regular season award. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, I, I, and think- I, I, I 100% back you on that now. The more I've thought about it, I do feel like Harbaugh could have absolutely stepped in. Um, but I still put more emphasis and more blame on Greg Roman. On Greg Roman. Yeah, but I think it just goes to show you. That's why I think, honestly, the Coach of the Year award is it takes it to another level because there were question marks. Even you said this last year. It was we were questioning who who is making these comments because the way the way he was making the comments at the end of the year when they switched over to Lamar, it didn't seem like he was bought in. Right. Right. And then even once Joe was supposedly healthy. Oh, yeah, we're still going to you know, we're going to go with Lamar and it felt forced. So you weren't sure. But I think we saw through the offseason, they went out and they go they go in the draft. They get Hollywood. They get him some weapons. And he let him. He let Lamar be Lamar. Yeah, and that's that's why he's coach of the year. And I'll I'll be the hundred the first person to say it, one hundred percent that I was saying last year. Yeah, at the end of the year, I said it, I was calling for his job. I was calling for the fact that I did not I did not think he was worth a four year ex- extension that they gave him. And and you're not alone. I, I listen. Yeah. There was a lot of fans out there, and and I think rightfully so. In, in a way, it was justified because I think a lot of people got tired of the. Uh, the coming up short, you know, I don't know how many years in a row there we get to the last game of the season and just fall apart. You know, yeah. we couldn't get over that hump and everything changed when they drafted Lamar and, you know, whether it, it, it was just kind of the way it happened or not, but the shift from Ozzy to Eric DaCosta, I think Eric DaCosta deserves a lot more credit than he's getting in a lot of ways. And we'll talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little I'm bit. Glad you brought that up. We'll get, we'll get to it before we kind of move away and talk more about the Ravens. I do yeah. want to kind of go back to the Super Bowl for a yeah, minute because yeah. well, former Raven. Yeah, exactly. Former Raven ends up picking up his second ring. And let me tell you, this shit irritated the piss out of me on social media because after the game, they, you know, a sideline reporter came up to Terrell Suggs and interviewed Suggs. And I don't have the exact quote as to what he said, but in layman's terms, basically what he said was this win is special. It may be a little bit more special than the first one for me. And people took that and, and ran yep. with it. Like they didn't like like lost all respect for for Suggs and go retire with Kansas City. Don't come back here. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, the, the shit that I saw out there was absolutely absurd. This guy just won his second Super Bowl, was on cloud nine. This kid this guy realized <laughs> at some point in this year that he made a piss poor decision in leaving Baltimore and going to Arizona, whether it was for home reasons or whatever. He realized that. The the guy, what, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, didn't have a job, was released from Arizona. Right. And And goes to the right team at the right time. Right. And he had all intentions of wanting to land here. He He made that public that he wanted to come here. He even said later on in that interview that, he had doubts about whether he was going to go to Kansas City or not. It was Andy Reid who called him and convinced him to come in there. He'll fit in. He'll be a you know a contributing yeah. partner. Like come, you'll be fine. And all his friends are telling him, "Hey, you might have found a lottery ticket here. You might have found a lottery ticket to a Super Bowl." And he won, and he was happy 
and he was excited. And for all of those reasons is why it may be special. He could be riding off into the sunlight. I was getting, okay, you're going where I thought you were. Right. Do you think he's also maybe thinking it's special because maybe this year's the year he hangs it up? 100%. 100% I think that he, he that's on his mind right now is I think that he saw what Ray did. Ray set the example. There's no better way to go out, especially after a long career like he's had now, 17 yeah. years or yeah. 18 years, whatever it's been, than to go out on top. Well, not even just not even just that. I mean, you have to look at the full the full spectrum for him. He went out. He tested. You know, he tested the the free agent market because he saw what was happening in yeah. Baltimore. He goes. He signs with his home team. He winds up getting released. How deflating is that, right? Right. You kind of uh, and it, we thought maybe it's a mutual parting away so that he could go go to a team that was going to be a contender. And what happens? He makes the right decision. So what he felt like the was the wrong decision led to the right decision at the right time with the right team and the right people, and he got a ring out of it. And if he rides off in the sunset, more power to you, dude. You're gonna yeah. be a raven. You're gonna be a raven no matter what. And guess what? In my opinion, I'll ask you, but I know what my answer is. You think he's the first battle hall of famer? A hundred percent. Yeah. And this, I mean, for me. It was debatable whether he was a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but getting this second Super Bowl solidifies that. Yeah. The career numbers that he puts, I think he's eighth career in sacks mm -hmm. in the NFL. Um, I mean, just the numbers that he's put up to be able to, he's been defensive player of the year. He was NFL rookie of the year. Yeah. Now he's got two Super Bowls. It doesn't get any better than that. He, he has He has the ability to to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he makes it. I, I don't even question it. And, I and think, he will retire a Raven. I was going to say, and there's the minute after he announces his retirement, the plans will be set. They will start planning his name in the ring of honor. They will start planning. It'll be a Holodinata situation it, all over again. Uh, it'll be much bigger than Holodinata. It will be bigger. It'll yes. be on the level of a Ray Lewis and a, a level of a Ed Reed, Ed Reed. that type of respect. Uh, I put, uh, listen, I have all the respect in the world for Nada, but I put those three guys in another class, even and Jonathan Ogden, yeah. four guys in another class, and Nada is like that second tier. Todd Heap, you know, uh, Nada, second tier guys for me. Yeah. All respect in the world, but a little bit different level of respect. You, you, took, a, you took a different path, and that's, that's understandable, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it definitely, it's... It's nice. I thought it was great that he won it. We were talking right after the game that it, you know it was it was good to see him. Even during the game, you were kind of like, "Is he on the field?" Because you're you're not used to looking for ninety four. Right. You're looking. You're used to looking. I just for looked for those yellow gloves. He had bright yellow <laughs> gloves on. That's when you knew he was out on the field. But I, I talked about it earlier, right? So the Super Bowl for me, it's 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 a spectacle, right? Um, it's an all day event. It's there's so much about it. You've got the halftime show, which thank God for that. The halftime show was was awesome. <laughs> Uh, I saw the, I saw a meme earlier and I got to bring it up. It was the, it was it was Mar when Maroon Five did it and it was like all the girl all the girls in the world when Maroon Five does a Super Bowl when, uh, when Adam Levine's got his shirt off and all the girls are like yeah. and and then now this year all the girls are on the phone calling. The That's NFL. all right. That's all right. This guy didn't have a problem with it. I was all right with it. Whole lot of booty shaking going on, and I was good with it. Hey, we but, were we were gambling whether there was going to be a uh, a wardrobe malfunction yeah, in this one too. Right, we did have a wager on that. Uh, along with a lot of other things. But the thing that dro drove me crazy about this year, and it even drove me crazy about the NFL Awards, which we talked about, the NFL, for whatever reason, decided to announce the NFL Honors Awards winners prior to the show. So annoying. It was like it three hours, no four hours beforehand. There too. was no reason to watch the show at that point. You ruined everything about the anticipation, the thought process behind it. It made absolutely no sense. 
But they also did the same thing with a lot of the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. And for a lot of people, for the average fan out there that, that again, isn't a diehard football fan but participates in the Super Bowl because of the spectacle it is, right? A big part of that for a lot of fans is the hilarity behind all the Super Bowl commercials. The looking forward to what's going to be the best Super Bowl commercial and all that stuff. Not anymore. They're and, all out like days exactly. beforehand. Why? Why are they doing this? It makes absolutely no sense for me. I, I, unless there was only one that I there was only one I didn't see beforehand. And that was the one that was done by uh, the guy that we've both liked, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? With the Planners Baby Baby Nut commercial, everybody knew that they had set it up with the Planners Peanut dying, going off the edge of a cliff, and it was like, what are they going to do? You knew they were going to set up. That was the only one that you could like look forward to and be like, oh wow, I hadn't seen this one yet. I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I guess that's a playoff of the whole Baby Yoda thing. Yeah. I took was that the whole baby Yoda coming out and because I mean he was so cute and adorable that, that was the impression I got it was it was all like baby, do is baby throw, Yoda all I gotta do is throw some buggy eyes on something and all of a sudden it turns cute but, <laughs> that was adorable uh, so I gotta ask you then what was your guys favorite commercial Brian what was your favorite commercial of the night I I, I saw this one earlier was the uh, was this Sam Elliott one. Where uh, he's sitting there doing the dance-off. Yes. Just because I, I'm a Sam Elliott fan, I've always been a fan of a lot of his movies, but seeing him try to dance, and I get it, it, it wasn't it was, Sam Elliott it dancing, was it, was somebody, it was somebody else. But then it was just like, you, you see the horse go, oh, hell no, I ain't doing that, I'm out, man. <laughs> that was pretty good, Scott, what was your That was pretty good. That was actually my number two, but my number one for me, I'm a throwback. The date had everything to do with it. The Groundhog Day commercial. Oh, you stole it. That with, was mine, With too. the Jeep. Like, it was just too perfect. Bill Murray, who actually, from compared to other pictures that I've seen, he looked per- he looked younger than I've seen him in some of these other pictures. Obviously, a ton of makeup on this in the shot. <laughs> but bringing back some of the old characters yeah. uh, for it was just, it was hilarious. It was per- and then the Groundhog's Phil? face. Phil? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, one of, that was definitely my favorite. I mean, No, were- not you, not you. <laughs> There were a few out there that were pretty good, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that was definitely my favorite. The Jeep Jeep killed it with yeah. that commercial, top to bottom. Nailed. It's just there's it's the innuendo whether you think about it, and those of you that maybe didn't think about it now, the Super Bowl was held on February second. It's held on Groundhog's Day. Yeah, and you do a Groundhog Day commercial with Bill Murray and his brother. It just it worked out. Yeah. Speaking of of the Super Bowl and what date it was on, I saw this meme out there that it kind of pulled everything together for me Andy Reid right this was his uh Andy Reid's 222nd career victory I did see this yeah on Mm -hmm. 2220 yeah 2020 all these twos it's pretty pretty wild I thought that was kind of cool um but let me ask you this this is one of the things that right away as soon as I turn on the radio in the morning on Monday all you hear on sports talk radio is people talking about Super Bowl odds already for, for, next, for 2021. And the Ravens came in at number two on the list. Why? Why are we talking about? There's so many things that have to happen yet that will ultimately determine where this team's going to line up. I mean, we have no idea what this roster is going to look like in a month from now, two months from now, yet alone when the season no actually I- starts. You have no idea what the rest Why of the, the, the league is going to look like. What is it, the March March 3rd, I think it is, is when the season officially ends. Right. And then you can then you can have all these trades, and you, with, you can sign extensions up until then. Like, you don't know where Tom Brady's going. We're going to get into that later. Like, all these different question marks, and you're going to make predictions. I mean, you know they could swiftly change the other way. Like, let's just say LeVar break. 
I don't even. I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> don't you put that evil out there? Oh man, no. I, like I just. There's so much. It's just absolutely ridiculous. All right. Well, congratulations to the Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years, and congrats to the state of Kansas. You see what I did there? I see what you did there. <laughs> You're so funny. Not a political guy, but right, that Trump tweet, Jr. that tweet, oh, my God. Well, live in infamy. Somebody just take his effing phone from him. Please. I think there's been a few people that have tried, and he won't. He is the president of the United States. You know how dangerous it is for him to have access to doing things like that. Just take his phone away. (laughs) The guy would be a good president if he just shut (sighs) the hell up. Don't talk. All right, Scott. It's time for the liquor stop brew of the week. What are we drinking on today? This week, well, shout out to uh, to Jerry who was actually sick uh, when I went over there to get the beer. So I hope you're getting better, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, But this week, you notice we have our Birdland BS cups, right? Except for Fred, because he poured soda in his, couldn't put more, <laughs> pour the beer in his. I uh, made a mistake. I didn't know it was in the growler this week. <laughs> but uh, this is from Burley Oak Brewing Company. This is their steel cut. It's like a fruity IPA. To me, when I taste this, I think of the definition of a breakfast beer. And what I mean by that is, is I can seriously see myself replacing. Or- the start of waking up is beer in, in your cup. cup. <laughs> but no, like it's. Because of the, the the fruitiness, the orange the orange pungent kick that you get when you're when you're drinking this for an IPA, it's got a very citrusy taste. It definitely to it. does, very much like Blue Moon in and, that sense. Exactly, and so to me, I I sit there and taste it and go, I could see myself, you know, have some eggs, some sausage, some bacon, a little bit of toast with some jam, and a cup of this. Yeah. I could see it. I really could. It's good and it's good stuff. So make sure you go out to uh, Liquor Stop on Conowingo Road. Let them know Birdley NBS sent you. Get your ten percent off. All right, Scott, it's time for some Ravens flock talk. And I know we already kind of talked about the the NFL Honors Awards because somehow I got out of order there. I did not. Well, it, to... it goes with Super Bowl week. Yeah, I, I guess it. it does. But I, one thing that we didn't mention uh, as the Ravens, like I said, kind of cleaned house, man. Listen, not only did Lamar win the MVP, but again, only the second player in NFL history to do it unanimously. Yeah. Only the Brady, second player. Brady was the only other one to do it in 2010. And we had all these discussions. Oh, you know, it should be Russell Wilson or it should be blah, 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 whoever. Unanimous. Not anybody else thought that. Everybody thought Lamar was the MVP. Yeah. Kudos to Lamar on that. I wish MLB Hall of Fame voting would work like that. Right. <laughs> John Harbaugh wasn't unanimous, but by far had the majority. The only closest one to him was Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan right. who just choked away his second Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. Two times now. <laughs> two times now he's had the lead in the fourth quarter by double digits. And blown it. And blown it. Choked. Choke job. But another one that we didn't mention, uh, and we and look, this season isn't what this season is without him, as Greg Roman wins the assistant coach of the year award in a landslide. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't see. Uh, if you're saying it's a landslide, landslide, I take your word for it. I didn't. All see the three of these votes. awards were, I mean, none of them were close. So I mean, it just goes to show you the the powerhouse that they kind of built. I mean, granted, we didn't have anybody on defense necessarily, but. You built a powerhouse offense that was able to run off of you know one guy's a scheme that was built around one guy, but him, the coach, and the coordinator all made it work for the team. Yeah, That's so very it, true. it just goes to show you this was this was a a group effort. And, and to to Harbaugh's point, and and really in all reality, Lamar kind of said it too. He did it as a team. 
Yeah. Like they both gave credit to the rest of the team. If the rest of the team doesn't do their job, they're not in those positions. They're not winning those awards. Both, both very, all three of them, very humble guys, uh, giving credit to everybody. You know, it's an organizational award. It's not an individual award to them. Uh, the recognition is great, and but it's, it's not, all about the team. And for them, it wasn't just words either. That's the part no, about that's the humble genuine. Side of it. Yeah, that's a hundred percent genuine. Yeah. That's Harbaugh and that's Lamar. And I think those two feed off each other well in that sense. They yes. both have a similar mindset in that sense. Granted, Lamar is a little bit different. He's a younger guy and all that stuff. But I think they have similar parallels in the way that they think about that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, and you know what was interesting too? Uh, I, I kind of thought it was as I was sitting there watching it. You and I talked about it because you came over a little beforehand. We were watching a yeah. little bit of the honor ceremonies, and. With Ray being next to him, mm. you're thinking, okay, it's just the, it's, it's the Ravens group, right? But Ray, Ray was looking for a photo op. <laughs> right. Ray, I think, was strategically there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Because every time they went over and you could see Lamar, Ray's kind of like talking to him. At one point, Lamar was on his phone and Ray literally nudged him. And I think Lamar's trying to like, obviously, he know, he'd known he's going to get the MVP beforehand. Right. So he's probably talking to people and people are shooting him texts and stuff. But he points at him. And then when he gets the award... He thanks everybody, and Ray didn't see it, but he made sure. He's like, he literally points and goes, Harbaugh, Harbs. And he's like, I got him. And he looks at Harb, and Harb, Harb shakes his head. Yeah, Ray was there to help guide Lamar, which yeah. I thought was an, uh, an under, understating factor in why he was sitting next to him and why it wasn't Mark Ingram, who was behind him. Yeah. I think it was the guidance that he was able to kind of provide him and, in those situations. And that's kind of been Ray's MO since he retired, really even when he was in the league. He, you know, not just with Raven players. Uh, I mean, he he gives his phone number out to anybody and everybody, anybody and yeah. everybody that wants it, you know, in the NFL that, you know, if, if anybody's running any issues or got any questions, he's kind of like that big brother mentality. Yeah. That's always been Ray's kind of thing. Uh, and you're seeing, you know, Ray pass the torch on to Lamar that, this is now Lamar's city, and that this is now Lamar's time to shine. And I think this award show might have been the fa the final passing. Like, you made it. Like, you know, yeah, maybe you didn't win a Super Bowl yet, and yeah, that's coming. But for you to win an MVP award, I mean, you've you've proven yourself. Yeah, you, you've proven to the league. Proven all proven the doubters everybody. wrong. Exactly, and that's exactly what you want them to have. So, kind of let's let's move to the team itself. You know, we talked about them giving credit to the team. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but I, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper here. When we're talking about our biggest concern, you know, in the offseason, we have multiple concerns, but let's dig a little bit deeper into your biggest concern. Ah, man, there, there's so many questions that still have to be answered because it's all in what way does Eric DaCosta decide to go with things? I mean, obviously, the biggest need, even during the regular season, was absolutely pass rush, and that still remains the number one concern for me, especially because you've got the biggest question mark in whether or not you're bringing Matt Judon back. Is he worth the $18, $19 million contract that he's going to get? And, you know, it's real easy. So you have to franchise tag him? It's real easy for us Raven fans to say, absolutely, pay the man $18, $19 million a year. That's great. But the amount of money that that's going to eat up in salary cap really handicaps you from being able to address other areas. Yes, those other areas can be drafted, you know, through the draft, and I get that. Uh, but I just I don't know, and I've always been. This has always been my mindset. I always felt like pass rushers are overpaid. They're not You've said that uh, yeah. not undervalued. I, I do value what they bring because it's a huge part of a successful defense. But let's not remember. You know, let's not forget. We were a fourth-rated defense this past year with the pass rush, the limited pass rush that we had. So do the Ravens maybe let 
Matt Judon walk, allocate those funds with some other free agent out, free agent signings out there, a little right. bit more budget friendly, fill a couple of needs versus just one player. Maybe you get some guys that are pass rush specialists. Maybe you get some guys that can set the edge. We do end up getting uh, Pernell McPhee back. Do they Ravens bring him back on another value type deal? Because I'll be honest, Pernell McPhee had a big impact on this defense when he was healthy before yeah. he went down. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things. A name that's been floated out there recently, uh, Vic Beasley. Yeah. A uh, guy that the Atlanta Falcons made publicly known on Twitter that they're not going to be resigning or not going him, yeah. after. So, you know, there's some people that are high on him, some people that are low on him. You know, it depends on where the contract falls with him for me. I, I, there's there's potential there. He did have one or two very good years, but he's been pretty mediocre for the past couple of years. Um, for me, it's always been like a – I don't know if it's a motivation thing, if it's a drive thing with him. I've just – I felt like he's always had the potential but just never – and, fulfilled it and that's i guess that's the way that i look at it is is to with him you may be able to get him at a low cost and have a high upside if you can push him enough right right and if he can stay healthy you know that's one of the things that you have to kind of weigh is that the route to go and that might actually be the route to go you know the other thing that you kind of brought up was we, we talked about him a little bit ago we think he might retire but does T will play another game another year with the ravens I, and I, have I, a reunion i, I can't see it i mean Potentially, if he wants to play one more year, I do think if Terrell Suggs is to play one more year in the NFL, it's here or nowhere. Do you think it's a discount year? Do you think? Do you think this? Oh is yeah, a, absolutely. Do you think this is a hey. This this you're gonna be, get some snaps, but you're gonna you're gonna be there for these guys to help them. This wouldn't be about money for Terrell Suggs at all if he's to come back. I think he's he's already like accomplished everything that he needs financially and all this stuff. I think he would want to do everything that he could to help the team financially to make them as strong as possible to go after a third championship. And I think that's the only way Terrell Suggs comes back. Yeah, like a player-coach role type of situation. Eh, not, maybe not player-coach. I, I, I do see him playing a decent amount, especially – uh, if the Ravens don't address the pass rush, because he is oh, yeah. good. He's still good at setting the edge. He's he not can. great at pass rush. He he runs out of that speed. He runs out of energy. You know, we've talked about this usually halfway through the season. But if you can get him on a veteran minimum type deal and he wants to give it one more go here in Baltimore, I, I'd entertain that. Yeah, to your point with the cap space, too, you know, kind of we've, we've been talking about the defensive side of the ball. But another another need that we know all know needs to be addressed is the wide receiving core. And and you don't have a number a true number one wide receiver. And I think I don't know that that can be fixed with the draft. I think that's something that has to be fixed in free agency. And there's some names that are being floated out there. You get names, you know, like a Des Bryant or an AJ Green. You know, they're they're big name guys that could potentially be a number one style receiver. Not necessarily be the number one receiver, but a number one style receiver. Well, AJ Green would absolutely be a number one receiver if he can stay healthy. Right. Like that's always been AJ Green's problem, especially later on in his career, is staying healthy. Well, and that's why I said style career because both these guys are. We all know Des didn't play last year right. and you know AJ with staying healthy these latter part of his career so their number one styles they've been in that role before they know how to execute they know how to do it it's just a matter of keeping them healthy keeping them on the field but also having them kind of I think they they also bring you a little bit of value in experience to that yeah. that wide receiver core De Des Bryant for me is the right player at the right price type deal I don't go out and make it a priority sign him he's he's made it clear that there's three teams that he'd be interested in playing for next year and the Ravens, contenders the Ravens were one of them yeah. 
Uh, so again, if you can get him on a value type deal, he gives you that possession type receiver that this, this offense desperately needs. I think he'd be a good fit in that sense, but I don't like the cancer that he is in the locker room. I've seen a lot of changes on him, at least in his behavior on social media. Some of the stuff that he said, he's not full AB. AB is on a cold, whole nother <laughs> level than Des Bryant. Uh, I feel like he's kind of made the, the turn as far as maturity goes. And I think he realizes like, shit, when if nobody I, if else I, wanted me, everybody's going to do without me. Something's got, you know, I'm not going to get another shot. Hold yeah. on. Has Des Bryant matured or is it just the fact that AB has raised the bar so, so high up <laughs> that we're just like, <laughs> okay, touche, you right? can't even compare <laughs> anymore, Des. You got to step your game up. Touche. That absolutely. Uh, that could be the, the, the case. A.J. Green, another guy that's intriguing. I think he's going to get overpaid somewhere. Whether the Bengals overpay him to stay there and be a weapon for their new quarterback that they're going to be drafting, number one overall, Burrow out of LSU, uh, that could that could end up be happening. But I think A.J. Green's done in Cincinnati mentally. I think he wants oh, to go get a shot. Out. I think yeah. he wants to go get a shot elsewhere. But I do think there are some teams out there that might overpay him more than what the well, Ravens want to go. And, and there were there were some rumors about A.J. with it. He was checked out up there because he there was questions about how committed to his rehab was he. Right. You know, that he wasn't doing the full exercise. He wasn't doing all the workouts. And that there were, you know, questions. Now, whether all this is true, I don't know. But if it is... It just goes into further that he's just done with that organization. He, yeah. you know, he wants to win. He, he wants seen, to win. So the the Bengals are really yeah. gonna have to sell him on changes with Burrow and the oh, direction they to, that they're going. I don't even think they have to change it. I, I think they'd have to offer him an astronomical amount of money. And, and that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that they will, but I do think another team out there will outbid the Ravens. Uh, and then obviously we got some question marks with offensive line. Does does Marshall Yonda retire? That leaves a big hole. Uh, there at left guard if that does happen now granted we've got Ben Powers who we haven't seen a whole lot out of he's got that same gritty mindset the same attitude but he's not a Marshall Yonda so no that's, that's no. a big replacement the leadership that he brings uh, that, that that's going to be a big loss if we do lose him uh, Matt Skura obviously he had the major injury that some are questioning whether he's even going to play in the NFL ever again I was just say there's questions of, of whether he I don't want to say he's able, he's definitely able to walk but whether his his knee is going to be able to hold up to that toughness right you know and the only way you're going to do that is to start testing it and that's you know you're months away from that right so we got some question marks there on the offensive line uh safety I mean <sighs> I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Tony Jefferson is gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chuck Clark stepped in great this year and had a tremendous year. Uh, he's going to get paid somewhere. I know a lot of people have been hyping up this trade for Jamal Adams, and it sounds sexy, but it's not going to happen. Like the, I mean, unless Eric DaCosta pulls off some – a miracle trade. I just three-headed rabbit out of the hat. I, mean, I that's cannot what see be. the Jets being that stupid of an organization, but they are the Jets. I just I don't see that happen. So I, you know, it gets talked about a lot on social media. I know people would love to see Jamal Adams paired with Earl Thomas out there. It would be great. It would be. But I think people are selling themselves short on the effect that Chuck Clark has had and the value that you're getting out of him right now financially is substantial. So you know, as much money as we've already got invested in the secondary, and we're going to have to invest even more when Marlon Humphrey's contract comes up due next year. Do you want to bring in another piece like a Jamal Adams who you're going to have to pay top-of-the-line safety money to? And then then you're in this well, same predicament. You don't have enough money to pay for the pass rush, linebackers, right. well, and other and you areas. also let's not, let's not forget the other big question mark back there, too, with Jimmy Smith. 
Yeah. What are you going to do with Jimmy Smith? Because there's Jimmy. Jimmy Smith is the kind of. I've been on the fence about Jimmy. I think Jimmy still has a role in this defense. Uh, he's not a starter, in my opinion, at this point. Obviously, you got Marcus Peters out there. You've got Marlon Humphrey out there. Uh, may, I, I don't know. I see. I go back to what I said before. I think you platoon him at safety. Uh, well, we talked about that. I, I, I mean. I could see it happening, but I just I don't see him replacing Earl Thomas yet. I don't see him replacing Chuck Clark. I think those two guys have got it pretty much locked down back there. It, I think Jimmy Smith is another one of those right player at the right price type thing. I do think another team, because he still has a few years left in the he tank. He still has value to him. He still has value. I think another team out there that's a little bit more depleted in the secondary than we are might overpay for a Jimmy Smith. Just a little bit. Um, so, I mean, look, there's still a lot of question marks with this team. Which way do they go? There's still a lot of holes. But at the end of the day, I'm really buying into the direction that Eric DaCosta is going, right? I think he still nailed it in this past year's draft. The additions that he made midway through the season, we've talked about it at ends. I mean, just the, the, the additions at linebacker, the addition of Marcus Peters, and how it solidified this defense, taking it from a bottom five defense the first four or five weeks of the year – to a top five defense by the end of the year He's a, is ridiculous. He is truly a value GM. He looks at 100%. these guys and looks for value of where they can sign him for the lowest amount of money and get the highest return on it. And guess what? He has struck gold multiple times now. Right. You know, and that's one of those things. That he's he's even so committed to some of these guys, like an LJ Fort, that he signs him to an extension. Right. Which we were questioning the idea of having actual linebackers in there, and not going to a more of a of a uh, DB style setup right. in that secondary, and be able to let some of those guys rush a little bit, because then you put speed there. But the problem is you lose power on the run game. Right. So I think the signing of LJ Fort is is a is a value extension. Zach Guthrie brought up. Uh, see out there, Zach. Appreciate you chiming, uh, chiming in. He brought up Tavon Young coming back from injury, and that was my point mm. in saying that I don't think. At this point, Jimmy Smith is a starter on this defense anymore because if when when you get Tavon Young back, he moves back into yeah. the slot. You know, Marlon Humphrey goes back to the outside, and now your secondary set. But again, it's Jimmy Smith does like being here. He yeah. seems to really enjoy being here, and the Ravens took care of him financially on his first big contract. So if Jimmy wants to take a little less money to stay here, I'm all for that. But I do think ultimately he's going to get paid elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I think he will. But it's it's going to be just a. a and, and, and listen, that's that's another trend that I think that we're going to start to see. You know, a lot of, a lot of talk last year was how many Ravens, how many wide receivers are going to want to come to this Ravens team because of how heavy this team was going to be running the ball and the wide receivers weren't going to have anywhere near the impact that, you know, that they, they want to have right. most wide receivers out there, that diva mentality, how attractive are the Ravens to free agents right now? And I think it's the opposite. I think that that tide is turned in free agency. I think not only wide receivers, but I think a lot of people want to be a part of what's going on right now. We're going to see an influx. We're going to be knocking interest. down the door, trying, to, trying, gonna, to, trying to get in. And that's that's where we're going to have our pick. But we've got to act. And that's going to be the thing is that other teams are going to see this and they're going to start trying to outbid us to keep, you know, that this is the type of situation where you start having teams outbid other teams not to get the guy that they, they want. 
but to pre- prevent the, the other teams like a Ravens from getting these guys. Right. So you you outbid them and you go a little bit higher than you really probably feel comfortable doing just to prevent them from actually getting them. You know, and I I see the Steelers being a, a team that could do that. Right. Their their salary cap is going to be adjusted this year. I think they're going to have a little bit of room to play with. And you could see some calls being made to say, "Hey, we know you want to go play against, you know, play for the Ravens, but uh or you know, you're interested in the Ravens, but hey, we think you're a great fit up here. We're doing some stuff up here too and we remember we play them every every year. Right. We we do well. And that's, the other, and that's the other thing you got to keep in mind as, friend, as fans. I know we talked about in the offseason, uh, going into that, this, this coming offseason, that the Ravens were going to have more cap space than they've had in many years and all that stuff, and that's true. We do have a decent amount of cap space right now, and if, if a couple players end up getting cut, like the Tony Jeffersons of the world, yeah. if Jimmy Smith doesn't come back, there's a lot of money. If Marshall Yonder retires, there's a lot of money that could, that could be freed up. But right now... We're in the lower 20s as far as ranking of how much money we have available for the salary cap. So even though it looks like we have a decent amount, there's many other teams out there that have a lot more money than we do that if somebody wants somebody, they're going to be able to outbid the Ravens. And that's what I mean by how attractive are we? Can we pursue and can we maybe get another Earl Thomas Type of signing late in the free agency, a splash player on maybe a more budget friendly type deal. You're not going to know that till March. It's as yeah. simple as that. When the when the league when the league resets, that's when you're going to know. Uh, one last thing to touch on before we yeah. we kind of move on here to the, the turtle talk. Uh, we got to give you credit, sir, for the primetime predictions this year. <laughs> we yeah. have to crown you the winner. Let's. Uh, where's it at? I got to go find it now. Oh, there it is. I like winning. <laughs> I don't know why I hit the clap. We have a Here's live a studio shot. audience that can right. clap. <laughs> but, there you go. But uh, no. So the the final, you know, we all we all picked the Chiefs to win that game. So we all wound up going. Uh, you wound up going nine nine and two in the playoffs. I went eight and three in the playoffs. And do we really have to go there? <laughs> you were six and five. Hey, I, t- <laughs> you, I took some chances. You were over, right. fi- you were over 500. Y'all, y'all conservatives. All right, man. I was going outside the box. Anyway, uh, so final end of the year overall prediction, uh, 61-21 uh, was your, your final You know, winnings and losses. Mines was 53-28. and 28. Mines. 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 And Brian's was 46-29. and 29. Ouch. Uh, But I will say I, go, I went out with the closest pick. On the uh, this week's game, I had the the score being twenty seven seventeen, and I had it. I was off by only seven points. You were off by eight points, and damn, we're not even going to talk about how far he was off. How, how far <laughs> was that off? Come on, curious. 12. Coming up just short all so, my life. Twelve points, <laughs> but you won. You won the picks that clicked as well because you finished with nine. I finished with seven. Jesus. And Brian, Brian, I don't know what happened because you were. On a I roll. was starting out hot. No, Brian, Brian, I went cold. I'm pretty sure you won like the first four and then fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> he did. Pretty he, sure that's he how won, that he had you, six, you stole my horseshoe, didn't you, Fred? <laughs> he had six. <laughs> it's, it's very comfortable up there. Six, <laughs> six <laughs> wins. Wow. Hey, oh. <laughs> six wins in the first like eight or nine weeks. Yeah. And then he was just he just disappeared. So <laughs> did me to hit that button so quickly. Yeah, sorry, uh-huh. no worries. All right, man, it's time for some turtle talk. Terps are playing right now, man. It, it's uh, it's been some exciting basketball as the Terps win their fourth straight. They're now seventeen and four on the year, seven and three in the Big Ten. 
moved into the back into the top 10 of the AP poll. Yay. Who gives a shit? I don't know how. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, none of this shit. I hate the AP polls. I know I say that all the time, but uh, they end up winning uh, over Iowa. I actually ended up going to this game with Ryan and crew yeah. uh, for Ryan's birthday. It was a, it was a packed house. The loudest that I've heard College Park in a few years. Um, and, we, you know, this was a game that we I thought we'd be really tested in because they have a lot of size down low in Iowa. In Iowa. Uh, a guy by the last name of Garza who had eyebrows like freaking bushes. <laughs> bushes. Oh, my God. They're terrible. <laughs> it was even uh, better on TV. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he, this guy, he got into foul trouble early, uh, which helped us. I think it was a big aid in that win. But also, you got a guy like Anthony Cowan going off for a career night in it's this an amazing game. Amazing game for him. Thirty-one points, six boards, six assists in this game. Uh, wins the Big Ten Player of the Week award right Deservingly after. Deservingly so. Right after Jalen Smith won it last week. Yeah. Uh, he also passed Walt Williams in this game for twelfth on the all-time scoring list for the Terps. This team as a whole, is really starting to kind of find their identity. I know we talked about it for weeks on end. This team's too much reliant on the three-point shot, and I've said they're going to live and die by the three-point shot and how well they shoot because they just don't have the presence down low. But, man, I'm telling you, since halftime of that Northwestern game, something has changed within Jalen Smith and the the mindset of this Terps team because they are really really starting to be aggressive and starting to attack the basket. Yeah, and they, you know when you look at this game overall, you talk about Cowan who who has just played an immaculate game in this. But the other guy that you can't go without talking about is Jalen Smith. Yeah, that's because in this game he came back and in your words he played like a man possessed. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It, it, the The amount of points that he was able to put up. I'm trying to pull up the box score in my. Uh, it's it's being. I want to say he me. had like 18 in that game. I'm not positive. He had another double double. Yes. He's a double double machine. I want to say he had four or five blocks in that game, uh, which Ryan and I were talking about in our latest episode of uh, Shell and Tell. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, for all you Terps fans out there, uh, Ryan noticed some double teams that the Terps were doing down low. We taught we give Turgeon a lot of crap. For maybe not being the best game planner, but in this game you really saw some things that could have only been coached. These aren't things that the players are just doing naturally. You saw um, double teams down low with Jalen Smith and Dante Scott. Dante Scott was basically getting backed down by Garza while Jalen Smith was just waiting. Yes, waiting for the turnaround jump shot, waiting for that turnaround hook to go up and block the shot, and he did that on multiple occasions. And in this game. It, that, I just was able to pull it up. But you're spot on with 18 points, but the bigger numbers here: 14 rebounds. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's been doing and that consistent. We played inside-out basketball with him. Something I talked about with Ryan last week. I thought it was really interesting because you guys were talking about he's been able to play well from the outside. He's been shooting threes pretty decently. He goes 0 for 2 in this game, but then goes 5 for 9 in, in the field for the rest of the game. I think that was the biggest story of the game was that, like I said, they've been so reliant on the three-point shot historically through this year. They shot 28% from three in this game. Yeah. But shot like 46%, I think. 45.6, yep. 45.6% from the field as a total, meaning that they weren't throwing up 
53-point shots in the game and living by dying by it. They were attacking the rim, and that's what we're seeing from Anthony Cowan. Anthony Cowan's taking the ball hard to the glass, getting to the free throw line, getting guys in foul trouble, and we're seeing Jalen Smith be that dominant presence down low. Well, and the other thing in this game that, that definitely helped was, you know, it, obviously he has 14 rebounds, but as a, as a whole for this team, a number that, that has, they've been, haven't been able to hit very often this year, 42 rebounds yeah. this year. They were capitalizing even on their own missed shots. They were getting the rebounds. This, there were a lot of rebounds in this game. Iowa had 38 rebounds, so it wasn't like it was a blowout as far as rebounds go. It was a high rebound game, a lot of missed shots on both sides, right. but they were able to put them down pretty well. And I think that's just that just goes to show you their the mentality that we've seen that adjustment, see that change, like you said, with that Northwestern game. I think we see something in Turge's coaching style change. I don't know what it is. He still has statements that baffle me, like we talked about last week, but something's changing. They needed somebody to step up and take leadership on this team. Really, since Bruno Fernando left, nobody has been, nobody has taken over that leadership role. And Ryan and I were talking about this on, on, sh on the show. It seemed like something clicked in Jalen at halftime of that Northwestern game because that's where it changed. And he came out, and it just seemed like he realized, like, huh, I guess Bruno's not coming back. I got to do this. And he changed. His personality changed. He's chirping at the fans right, and exactly. barking back. And, 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 I mean, he's just showing a level of energy that I haven't seen all year. And it wasn't just that game. It continued on to the next game. It continued on to this, uh, into this, this Iowa, Iowa game. game yeah. I'm hoping it's going on right now into this uh, uh, Rutgers game, yeah. which let's talk a little bit about that. So they're playing Rutgers right now. It's tipped at 7 o'clock. I don't know what the score is now. Let's take a look. I, I got it pulled up. up. Rutgers is a team that – 44-36 Maryland. Okay. Rutgers is a team that just goes to show how good – this Big Ten conference is in basketball right now. They've had 12 teams in the Big Ten at some point in the top 25 this year. One of them was Rutgers. Rutgers was just mm -hmm. number 24 a few days ago. They just fell out of the top 25 yeah. the other day. They're a good all-around basketball team. They don't have the big... They're not a flashy team. No, they don't have the big superstar powers. They don't have that one or two guys that can take over a game. They distribute the minutes very evenly amongst eight or nine guys, guys that are getting 10 minutes or more on nine guys on that roster getting 10 minutes or more, they're a very, very fundamentally sound team. They're a good big team down low. Well-rounded. Well, a yeah. very well-rounded team. Uh, they do have a former uh, NBA star, Ron Harper's son, Ron Harper Jr., on the mm -hmm. team. Um, he's, he's the one player – I'm not going to say he's a superstar because he's not. He's not a star – but he prevent he pro, he provides matchup problems. He's a six foot six, two hundred and forty pound guard. He's a big boy. He's, big boy. He's an <laughs> NBA sized guard yeah. at the college level right now. He's a big boy. So you know some of our guards. It'll be interesting to see what the matchups are tonight. Do they put Daryl Morsell on him? Do they put you know a, a bigger body on We're him? We have to go look at maybe, this later. Yeah, maybe Dante Scott. Um, so they do present some challenges, and and I think the biggest test. <laughs> for this Terps team moving forward is going to be keeping Jalen Smith out of foul trouble because this team lacks size so badly right now. All right. Well, hold on a second. Cause isn't this the team that has Shoal? 
Yeah, a team that has a seven foot two statue sitting on the bench right now. I mean, essentially, <laughs> that's, <stay> <laughs> that's all Cho Mariel is, and it's not his fault. Listen, he's had some injury issues that he's still recovering from. He's still a year and a half removed from playing competitively competitive basketball. He's got a lot of catching up to do at the collegiate level. He he just he's too detrimental to the team right now to have him out there. This team is playing too aggressive. Things slow down too much having him out there. Guess who's out there tonight? Is he out there right he's now? Out, I don't know if he's out there right this minute, but he's 0 for 1 from the field with one rebound so far. Okay, that's his first action in about four or five games yeah. now. So it, it's good that he's getting some experience out there, but this team totally changes. He looks a little lost out there. Listen, he's seven foot two with an eight foot wingspan. <laughs> Stand him under the net, put his hands up, okay. and he's going to be effective in some sort of way. We might need to stop talking about them because now they're now they're only up by four. It's forty seven forty three. Yeah, I was, I was just getting ready to chime in and say the the, the Rutgers are making a comeback here. Uh, it, 47 to 43 is what the current score what, is. Where are we at? Are we Kaylee, with four Kaylee's, with with four twenty-three left in the second half? Yeah, Kaylee wow. says Kaylee says watching the Rutgers game on mute while listening to the show. I appreciate love it, it. Kaylee. I love I love that Ryan's wife is more <laughs> into our show than Ryan is. Yeah. Thank you, Kaylee. Appreciate and we it, Kaylee. appreciate it for it from you. <laughs> All right, but let's let's switch gears then. We'll move on for basketball so we don't put the jinx on them anymore. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about football. Um and Right now, there is a movement going on. This whole UM, uh, you know, DMV to UMD movement, and it's real. It's it's taking fire. I know it kind of started a couple of years ago when Dwayne Haskins started this whole movement thing, and then abandoned ship <laughs> when nobody bought. Let's on. go! Oh, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody bought on. He was never really committed to begin with. I, I, it was all like a, a ridiculous play. But either way, it started back then, and now you're really seeing it. You saw, uh, you know, the five star wide receiver and Raheem Jarrett kind of set yeah. the set the bar by turning down LSU to commit to Maryland, stay home, stay local. I've been saying this now for years. There's so much talent in the DMV area that if they got a coach here that can recruit well and get names in schools, big schools locally that have Maryland ties, it can really help with well, keeping local recruits I, I was going to say, the past five to six years, some of the top local recruits are going elsewhere. They're going across the country because that's where the top-tier programs are and the top talent is and the top recruiting is. Right. And that's where you know we t we've talked about his Locks' ability to recruit, some pulling on some of these guys early. You know, I want to see an evolution this year. I think we're going to see it in the recruiting. I think, you know, you're, we've already talked about it. We're going to talk about it here in a second because I know there's some guys you want to talk about. But the other thing that I think I, I need to see with an evolution on with Locks is I need to see the coaching evolution. I need to see him step a little bit into that role. I don't know if this year if he gave his offensive coordinator a little bit too much, you know, leeway on, on some of the play calling he needs to be a little bit more in if he's going to put Josh Jackson out there. He needs to be in his ear. Doesn't he's need to not happen. putting Josh Jackson back out there. There's no way that that happens this year unless injuries happen, but hopefully that doesn't We didn't happen. think Josh Jackson was going to play the rest of the year, but he no, did. he's not. It's, it's, it's Lance Lejean's team or spot to lose, in my opinion. Um, it's time for him to get the opportunity because right now you don't have any, you know, as, much, as many recruits <laughs> as have been coming in quarterback they haven't 
Right. You know, Borden Schlager abandoned ship. He transferred out. Uh, you've got Piggy still in the fold for one more year. Uh, you know, you do have Tyler DeSue, who's still got a couple years of eligibility. Ryan and I liked a lot of what we saw out of him in the spring game. He got a sprinkle uh, of, of time throughout the regular season in Minnesota. While we were there, he played a little bit. He threw a touchdown. Um, so, you know, I, I'm done with the Josh Jackson. I've, I've made that clear. And I think everybody else is done. I with am Josh too, Jackson but I just too. don't know if Locks is. I haven't. I do. I, I believe he's a smart enough man to know Josh Jackson just isn't it. I don't care what he's promised to his father or what he's promised to his family. Josh Jackson, isn't it? It's the Lance LeJean show and the Tyler DeSue show for them two to battle it out and see who wins. This year, I think a lot of Terp fans need to realize that <laughs> to make the turn from what they just did, a three-win season, to being potentially bowl eligible would be a huge, huge win, a huge turn for this you know, for this university. Yeah. I think if they can get back to a five, potentially six win team this year and get in that running for a bowl game, you're going to start to see even more commits coming in because the commits that he's getting right now, let me just update you where the, where the Terps are. Yeah, there's so been a few of them quick. The Terps have really dove heavy into the JUCO transfers this year. It's the easiest way to quickly put a Band-Aid over a gaping wound is to get guys from the junior college level that already have collegiate level experience, that their bodies are already you know kind of accustomed to a collegiate level style of play, get them in here and make a difference. And we talked about this in the offseason. The biggest issue of concern with this team wasn't the skill positions, it was the trenches, right? Right. And they've made a ton of additions in the offensive and defensive line, and they got four commitments in the last three days for 2020 and 2021. Uh, as they end up picking up for 2020, they get another JUCO defensive tackle from Iowa Western, almost TT. He's a, a, what, a three-star, right? Three-star, 6'3", 310-pound guy. Big body, big boy. right? Big body, but you know, for as as fat as as big as he is, almost said fat. As big <laughs> as he is, he still has the he still has as the athleticism. Yeah. He can get through the line. He can get into the backfield. I think he only had two and a half, maybe three sacks last year, but his pressures were high, meaning that he was in the backfield a lot. He just he can get in a guy's hit. face, right? He can disrupt things, uh, which is big. I think that'll be a huge, huge, huge get. They're ranked number twenty nine. The 2020 class is ranked number 29 in the nation, right? This is coming off of a three-win year. They're number 29 in the nation right now in recruiting class. But it gets better. Right now, the 2021 class, they just picked up three more players this week. They are now ranked 12. I was saying, I number thought they, were, 12 thought they moved up too. In the nation right now. Now, granted, this is probably going to change. I'm not going to say probably. It will change. They're beating out the likes of Alabama and Georgia in overall rankings right now for the 2021 class. And they got three big names this weekend. They got Zion Shockley, another three-star defensive end, 6'3", 230 pounds, another guy that has athleticism, has a lot of speed. He's a pass rush specialist. Yeah, I like what I saw out of him in his tape. Four-star defensive tackle. This was a huge, huge get. Taze Johnson, 6'1", 290, a local kid out of St. John's. That's a huge get, getting another guy locally. Yeah. They got his teammate. And this guy, wait till you hear this, a three-star running back, Antoine, Antoine Littleton, 
There's nothing little about this dude. <laughs> six foot, 265 pound running back. I mean, six foot is about the only thing you're going to say is quote unquote little, but even that's still Did 265. 265 pound running Wait, back. Hold on, hold on a second. How? I know Derrick Henry's taller. Much taller, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, but isn't Henry about the same size weight-wise? Nah, he's like 245. 245, 250. Really? And he's is he? solid okay. muscle. You're talking about Derrick Henry is a solid muscle. Well, no, muscle. I, thought, I thought he was around this, 260. But. This guy is a butterball. This guy, they call him Baby Bus because <laughs> he's built He's built a lot like Jerome Bettis. Bettis was. But here's the thing. He's, he's a junior in high school, right? He plays linebacker as well. And some colleges were wanting him to kind of fill out and, 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 and kind of finesse his body more for the linebacker position. But when I put on the tape, when I watched his highlight reel, this dude can be problematic in the running game at 265 pounds out of shape. If he right. puts the work in this year and really dedicates himself to being in shape for a or for a college running back, he starts to have a build at that point, like a Derrick Henry. Get him down to that yeah. two fifty range. Get, well, it's not even just getting down to that two fifty range. It's get that V. Derrick Henry has that V. Yeah. Derrick Henry is big up here. He doesn't even have to have the v, v. He doesn't even have to have the V. He just needs to be a little a little more solid. He looks a okay. little pudgy to me. But the the athleticism that he has, the speed that he has, the agility that he has at the size that he's at now, again, if he can get himself in the better shape, trim down to like 250 and kind of be that you know, that thunder, you know, that thumper that can run right. between the tackles, not this sideline to sideline stuff that we've seen a lot from, you know, Javon, Javon Leak and Anthony McFarlane. Right. This guy can be that change of pace that I'm going to run it down your throat and I'm going to run you over in the process. Stop me. Exactly. Stop me. Yeah. So, and again, another local, local commit guy. out of, out of St. John's Taze Johnson's teammate. Well, and I think too, the, the thing that I, I want to start to see more of that, you know, we, the defensive recruits are great and that helps us stop. One of the things that, that they struggled with this past year was putting points on the board. Let's be real. You know, the defense, yes, where they getting run over. Do you want to do you want to solidify that up? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, when your offense can't put points on the board, that's a big problem too. When you're averaging, I think they averaged what the the last I think it was nine games, they averaged something along the lines of like twelve to seventeen points a game. That doesn't surprise me. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So you've got to also start, you know, it's the defensive recruits are great. But that offensive recruit, out of all of those, that's the big one to me. And I think you made that point. This is a guy that can he can change the way that this offense kind of looks and then open up the ability for a Lance Lejean to be able to hit wide receivers. And then that opens up more top-tier wide receivers yeah. wanting to come to Maryland. And it, Listen, it wasn't for lack of talent at the skill positions. We have two running backs that are going to be in the NFL draft this year, probably in the fourth round. It wasn't a lack of talent. It was a lack of talent at the offensive line, which was giving the True. quarterback fits, and it was, for whatever reason, Loxley's infatuation with Josh Jackson and not taking him out of there when he should have taken him out of there much earlier in the year than he did. Yeah, Those were the two problems. But the Terps have addressed a lot of the offensive line issues through a lot of the, the JUCO transfers that they got and the, 21, the 2021 classes coming in. This is going to be a two- or three-year process for this thing to really turn around and be a bowl-eligible team. Well, and you talk about that offensive line. Wasn't there this weekend? I thought I remember seeing something about some uh, a local like five-star kid. Yeah, this is a kid that's kind of... <laughs> He's kind of been toying with the Terps. Uh, it's Landon, Landon Tangwall. He's a five-star offensive tackle. Would be a huge, huge get for the Terps. Uh, it seems like both him and his family, though, are pretty sold on Penn State. 
Um, I, I'm not saying it'd be that, nice to steal it away from Penn State. Oh, it'd though. be it'd be great. I, I'd I'd take anybody from from Penn State. I would love that. Uh, and to be able to get a five star offensive tackle, this dude is legit. He could come in day one as a freshman. Ryan and I talk Starter. about this. We talk about this on the show a lot. It's really I think that's one of the most difficult positions, offensive line, to be able to transition from high school to college and be effective day one as a freshman. You you there's so much more physicality you're at the high school level you're used to being so far above and beyond the talent level that you're going against week in and week out you're now used to throwing this, guys around right now you're going up against the best of the best in the big 10 you got somebody else that's across from you bigger bigger than you better than you that's been doing it longer than you and now that's every week right right so it's hard for offensive linemen to make that type of transition but this kid has the size and and the strength, I think, to be it's, able to do that. Do you know if he plays more right tackle or left tackle? He could be either. He can play either, but I would okay. love to see him at left tackle. We don't. We I have, say I'd, I'd like to see him on the blind side we, for sure. We have a need at left tackle pretty severely. Uh, you know, we did get a, a. I can't think of his name right now, but we did have a left tackle, a freshman, play a lot of minutes this past year, and you know he looked like a freshman offensive lineman. Now, if he hit the weight room like he should in the off season, and I think. That's one of the big turns with this program is they've really invested a lot of time and a lot of energy and money into the nutrition, into the workout regimens, all of that. Uh, Revamping the entire program. Right. We should see some improvements there as well. All right, Scott, it's time for some bros, bows, and O's, man. And We got into it a little bit last week. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Shorter segment, but. Right. Look. There isn't a whole lot to hang your hat on this year about being excited when it comes to the Orioles. But we're two weeks from spring training. We're two weeks away. Two weeks away from spring training. Uh, I think pitchers and catchers report in like seven days. Yep, February 11th. They have their first workout on the 12th. Yep. Opening day for me. You know me. I you you and I both. I've gone now for last year. I think was my 17th or 18th year in a row. Uh, I go to every opening day. I've been in there. When it's been 70 degrees and sunny, I've been there. When it's been 20 degrees and snowing, I've been there. When it's been a freaking wind tunnel, I've been there. When it's rain, I've been, you know, we've been through it all, right? So, But you still go every year, and it's an all-day event. We start at Pickles at yeah. 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. You get drunk. You get sober. You get drunk again. You get sober again, and then you watch the Orioles play, right? <laughs> it's just kind of the way things go with opening day. It's the one game that even if you're not a diehard Oriole fan, you can go down there and have a hell of a time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be down there. This is my, uh, I hate to upstage you here, but this is my 31st year <laughs> uh, in a row. I've been, I mean, since my dad was taking me, you know, since I was younger, been to every opening day at Camden Yards since the stadium opened. Yeah. Um, it, to your point, it, it's not, no matter whether the Orioles are doing good or bad, that's one thing that's always been consistent yeah. is opening day. Um, last year sucked was the first year that was not a sellout yeah. uh, for opening day. I, I was shocked at that. Honestly, I really was. I think it, people, not too many people understood where the team was going. It was Elias. You know, there wasn't. Sure. But it was the Yankees. You know what I mean? Like, it, listen, even when this, the Orioles were as shitty as shitty could be, but when the, the Yankees were here, it was always. But the Yankees, if you go, if you, the Yankees have never traveled 
the beginning of the year. Yankees have always been a summer travel, right? Because their fans, what happens is their fans travel for spring training. Yeah. They do not travel for the beginning of the year. Then they travel once mid-June hits, you know, or beginning of June hits when schools start letting out. That's when they start traveling, right? right. And then so they, they start moving along there. And then actually if, when they make it to September, you know, if they're in contention, they travel. If they're not anywhere close to in contention, they don't travel. So th that's one of the things about the Yankees. They kind of flow back and forth. And regardless, though, it's always an ordeal. You know, you're like you said, you're down at pickles, you're down at down there at sliders, all that. They opened all that up now. It's not just it's not just pickles. It's not each place now. It's like one giant fest on that on that strip right there. Right. Um, and it's great. I love it. I think I think we have a good time. Um, but I, I definitely look forward to some of the changes this year. Some of them I know some fans are questioning. I did. So I'm curious to get your take on this because this past week, the Orioles pick up a pitcher mm. in uh, Trevor Laskin or Travis Laskin or Lackins. I'm sorry. 25 year old in five years. He's 17 and 13 with a four, five, 4.45 ERA and a 1.43 whip. And that's all down in triple A. Yeah. Okay. In order to take this kid on, they DFA Stevie Wilkerson. Now, the flair about Stevie is we thought he's a Ryan Flaherty, right? He's a utility he's guy. He's a utility guy, You right. can put him anywhere. And, and, and you think about that last year. Two of the biggest moments last year involved Stevie Wilkerson. Yeah. You know, Dr. Poo Poo was his nickname from Brandon Hyde. I don't know because I hear you say that again. <laughs> Dr. Poo Poo. No, please. Stop. <laughs> But he, uh, you know, look, he, he goes up, he, he comes out and pitches, right? Throwing, what, 55 or something like that and winds up getting the save. And then you also have the catch that he made in Boston, yeah, which was a top tier, almost catch of the year candidate. So what's and your question here, Scott? Get to it. Do you think it's right that that's the guy that gets DFA'd? <sighs> it's, it's, it's always hard when you actually care about the players and when you've got your heart invested in the players. I love Stevie Wilkerson. I thought he was fun to watch, but I think he peaked. He peaked last year. We saw a lot of fun things with him. The catch was great. All the things that you mentioned, him pitching, that was great. He does bring value, like you said, as a utility guy. But he, for me, never going to be an everyday player or anything like that. He's just going to be that kind of role-playing guy, that, like you said, the Ryan Flaherty kind of guy. If the Orioles were in contention or going to be in contention in the next two or three years, I would say eh, it makes sense to keep Stevie Wilkerson around because in two to three years, his role will be more valued, right? Right now, the, the Orioles lack pitching more than anything. And I know Elias has been talking about potentially signing some free agent starting pitching. Uh, they've even dropped right. the name of, uh, of uh, Andrew Kashner again, coming back. Mm -hmm. So they, they absolutely have a need because listen, I know a lot of people wanted to give Brandon Hyde a lot of flack last year because there were some clubhouse questions. You saw the flare up with Chris Davis last yeah. year. Does he have control of the of the team? Is he really a good head coach? You know, how is he going to do? Da, da, da. This was his first gig as a head coach uh, or as a manager. I'm sorry, I keep saying head coach as a manager. And honestly, he was put into a lose-lose situation, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he he knew what he was getting into, that this team was not going to be successful. He knew that, right? 
But the starting pitching last year was so bad because a lot of a lot of what a manager is judged on is how they manage the bullpen, right? I'd say managing the bullpen is half of a manager's job, right? Is being able to yeah. it really is it's it's half of their responsibility is just being able to manage the bullpen. We saw what happened when Buck tried to do that, right? <laughs> but Buck's situation was totally different than what we were in last year. Yeah, completely different. Well. He was put into situations where his starting pitching couldn't get out of the third inning, couldn't get out of the fourth inning in any games. So his 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 bullpen guys were coming in and they were getting taxed. And you were seeing that taxi cab of, of back and forth between the majors and the minors with these guys trying to get people innings. So last year I felt like Brandon Hyde was almost set up to fail, right? Yeah. So it's hard to judge him based on how he did last year. So the only way that you fix that is getting more reliable arms. The one thing that you could say that this team actually did pretty well last year is they weren't that bad of an offensive team. No. They weren't. When you look at some of the guys that probably outperformed expectations, Hanser Alberto, Ronaldo Nunez, uh, you know, Anthony Austin, Santander. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, when he came up, the effect that he had. All these guys, I think, played a little bit above what we expected them to play offensively. The biggest glaring hole was pitching. Mike Elias, I will say, is a pretty good evaluator when it comes to pitchers. And he sees something in this kid that he likes. And to give up a Stevie Wilkerson, who really is a small piece to the puzzle, as much as we wear our hearts on our sleeves, as much as both you and I are fans of Stevie Wilkerson, I think the move makes sense. I, I think they're they're also hoping that maybe he goes under the radar because it did happen multiple times with the Steve Pierce. And look at look at look at Steve Pierce's ability long term. You know, pe people thought Steve Pierce hit his peak too, right? And what does he do? He goes to Boston and he plays a role. That's my point. He was a role player in Boston, and he did that role perfect. Right. The Orioles aren't in a position right now to have role players because they don't have normal players. <laughs> they, 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 they have so many issues and so many holes that, yes, I think Stevie Wilkerson could go somewhere else and be a role, to, player, and be yeah. a role player for a contender, uh, and it would make a whole lot of sense for him. But, again, I think the biggest issue right now is pitching depth, bullpen help, back of the rotation guys. They need help, and it's really – it's hoping that you can bring in a whole bunch of arms and find that diamond in the rough like you did last year with John Means. Means. Yeah. Nobody expected John no. Means. John Means wasn't <laughs> John even Means the, didn't even expect to do that. He wasn't even in the conversation as a starter going into spring training. Nope. He earned that And spot. the kid winds up being in the conversation for rookie of the year. Exactly. Nobody yep. saw that coming. Nobody did. So I think it's just let's throw a whole bunch of chips on the table and hope a couple of them stick. And this is one of those guys are taking a shot at. So let me ask you this then. When you're looking at spring training, you're looking at every, everybody that's coming. They've given the invite to Adley Rutschman. They've given, uh, you know, obviously DFA Wilkerson. If he clears, I'm sure he'll, he's still going to get a spring training invite either way. Yeah. Um, who are you looking forward or, or who are you analyzing the most during spring training? Uh, it's well, I guess if you're just talking about the major league roster. I, I'm I, just talking spring, tra spring training in general right, right the, now. Here's the couple of things that I'm going to be looking at. I want to see how the starting rotation is going to shake out because there is. There's so many questions outside of really the top three starters. Those really out of the top two starters, the back end of that rotation, number three, four, and five, are really up for grabs. It's a giant question mark. It's a giant question mark. We have no idea who's going to fill up. So that's that's what I'm going to be looking at most. I think the thing that intrigues me the most, the thing that I'm most excited about watching spring training, Ryan Mountcastle and Adley Rutschman. I just want to see 
what kind of talent is on the horizon. I want to see if the game is too big for Adley Rutschman right now at spring training. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. Respectfully, you know, they're not going to start his clock. He's oh, not he's gonna, not ready he's yet. He's not no. going to see a, a day in the majors until maybe late next year, potentially. And then they might, you know, they might get him some experience. Right. But I just want to see where he's at right now. Has he has he caught up to the ball? Because, you know, he, when he started in uh, Aberdeen last year, he showed flashes, then got hot, then moved up to Delmarva, started out pretty good there, then kind of cooled off. It was kind of like this up and down year that he had. He had, to get, used to, he had to get used to it. He had to read it. Exactly. And, and honestly, what he should be doing. Right. He should be getting used to it. He should be reading it, understanding it. He has to go through those ups and downs. How does he recover at that level? You right. know, is he able is he able to, to to put a little bit less on himself and say, you know what, I just need to fix it. I just need to adjust it. 100%. That's gonna be the thing. I think I think you're you're spot on with that. For me, you know, you you name the obvious ones, right? Mm-hmm. For me, the biggest thing that I'm watching in spring training, Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde when it comes to Chris Davis. Huh. Good point. I think the trigger needs to be pulled unless unless Chris Davis is multiple hit- times. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Just pull it. Unless Chris Davis is hitting above 500 in spring training. 500. What? <laughs> what crack are you on? Wait, let me finish. Unless he's hitting above 500 five- foul balls. Maybe I don't even think yeah. he has a shot at that. Strikeouts, unless he's hitting maybe. above 500 through all at bats. And I I'm throwing him out there. For at least half every half every game for the first, I'll say twelve to thirteen games. If he's not hitting above five hundred, in let's say he gets at least two at bats every game, we're talking at least thirty at bats. If he's not hitting above five hundred and thirty at bats, he, he like that solidifies. Give me, you've you've all, if that's the expectation, then you've already sent them packing. That's, that's not going to happen. At least, but at that's least my three hundred. That's at my least three hundred. Unless he's on fire. He should not make this major league roster. 100% agree with you. I, I, he shouldn't be getting a shot, in my opinion. I don't think he should well, even get a shot. The only reason he's getting a shot is because the money's already on the table. Right, but what do they got? Two more years on that contract now, I think? 2022, yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah two no, more. no. Is it 2022 or 2023? 2022. I thought it was 2022. I thought look it up. Okay, yeah, look it up. Yeah, it, look it, it, it up. might be 2022. It's two, maybe three years left on the contract. You're going to pay him that money regardless. Major League Baseball is guaranteed money. There is nothing about this team that's going to compete in the next two to three years. Get rid of him. Open up a spot Which, for Ryan Mountcastle because if you end, because my thing is, you gotta the guys that you have in the minor league system, right? You got to start prepping them. You start easing them into it and getting them ready yeah. for when they are, you know, competitive again. And you also got to get them in the mindset of the right way. You don't want to piss these guys off who just. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle with a bat went down and had one of the best years in AAA that I can remember in recent history. I mean, he's had he had. Still a don't know why he wasn't called up year. called up for the the end of the year last year. hundred percent don't understand it either. So you don't want to piss this guy off. You know, Chris Davis is done. You know, he's not part of your future. Get him up here. Get him the experience. 2023, he's a free agent. So, okay. it's, it's so it is 2023. That's fine. Get him the hell out of here. He's never going to hit this 500 mark that you're talking about in spring training. I'm saying Just he has, get rid of basically him. what my point is, is he has to be under a miracle for him to make that he should make this this opening day roster. Unfortunately, I think he's going to make it either way because that's the argument that some people are making is they see them saying like, well, the money's on the table. You have guys that you can leave them in. You can leave them down there a little bit longer and be able to let it go and have somebody that's 
a serviceable, serviceable first baseman. He can't be a serviceable hitter or DH, but he's at least a serviceable first baseman that you can put out there and then, you know, figure something out else out and around. But I, I just don't think he makes this. I don't think he should make this roster. I, I think he's proven time and time again. So that's why I'm saying it literally. My point was there has to be a miracle. That's what I'm looking at in this. There has to be a miracle for him to walk away as a starter for the Baltimore Orioles in 2020. Minute warning. See that? I went to back back to throwing gang signs again. <laughs> Please, God, don't. <laughs> <That's sad. laughs> All right, guys, time for the two minute warning. Brian's got the questions this week, so Brian does. What have you got, buddy? That's right, buddy. I'm in control. <laughs> That's dangerous. Oh, this is scary. <sighs> you know it. All right, so rumor mill has it. I'll let you start this time. Okay, all right. Let's you start. Come on, man. Don't interrupt him. I'm, I'm talking. sorry. Come I'm on, sorry. Man. I thought I we had this figure out what's going on. We didn't settle. All right, here you know we what? go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Rock, paper, scissors to see who's got to go right. first. One, Rock, two, three. Oh, wait, hold on. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Yes. All right. Oh, Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. All right, so you go first. What? I get to pick. You go first. Okay. <laughs> all right. What the hell happened? <laughs> We're back to square one. Let's go, Brian. Back to me. All right, let's make. Let's get the show back on the road. All right, so Rover Mel has it. That the Las Vegas Raiders... Did you say Las Vegas Raiders? Las Vegas, baby. That's a, that's a hell of a stadium they got going on out there, too. I'll be there in May. <laughs> there you oh, go. Look at so you. excited. <laughs> I just can't hide it. <laughs> Hold on. Do that again. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Damn it. it again. I'm sorry, guys. You just missed something awesome. <laughs> anyway, back to the sexy guy. So uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, that's right, I said that correctly, have been potentially in pursuit of Tom Brady if the Patriots don't want to resign him by the deadline. Is that a good fit for the organization or not? Your thoughts? I guess I'd like to hear where this story came from, because if this is actually coming from John Gruden or anybody high up in the offices with with the Raiders, then that goes to show where they stand on Derek Carr. And I think that's pretty shitty considering Derek Carr really hasn't been the problem there. It's everything around Derek Carr. Tom Brady might be a Band-Aid for a year, but he's not the answer there in L.A. Yeah, I mean, for me, Derek Carr. LV. Yeah, Derek, Derek Carr is is done as an Oakland Raider. I think they, they didn't pursue the weapons. They didn't have a lot there. The weapons that they were able to get were not successful. I think they're done. I think I honestly think this comes from a real area. I think there's this is an insider that knows something, and they are going to pursue Tom Brady if if he's not signed by the Patriots. And word is he's probably not going to be signed by the Patriots. So we'll have to see. All right. So the XFL starts Saturday. I said Sunday. Look at that. I'm so used to the NFL. <laughs> right. Are you guys interested or not? I think I am. You know, I'm a football fan first and foremost. Uh, so this is that weird time of the year where there's absolutely nothing on except for basketball, college basketball, and the NBA. So it's football. There's something different about the rules. I, it's intriguing. I want to see if this second go around actually makes it. I don't think it will, <laughs> but it's entertainment value. So I'll probably watch at least for a couple weeks. Yeah, for me, like when I look at this, it's it is that down period. But there's a lot of rules that are interesting that I'm intrigued. They basically have kind of taken kicking out of it a little bit. 
Um, you know, there's a little bit more skill to it. I, I think, you know, some of the double forward passes are a little weird. I mean, I'm intrigued yeah. to see how those wind up working out and how they wind up, you know, coming out. I think some of these rosters with some of these guys that maybe didn't quite make it in the NFL, it kind of is a stopgap a little bit between college football and the NFL. I think this could wind up being almost like a minor leagues if it's worked out properly. It could work out as a minor leagues for the NFL versus a, a competitor. I think that's how it's going to wind up working out. We saw how that worked out with the Arena League, and we saw how that worked out with NFL Europe. <laughs> yeah. And by worked Oof. out, I mean didn't, didn't happen. Tanked. All right, Scott, uh, sign us off, man. All right, guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. You guys know where to check us out. You can check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can learn about each of us. You can also get yourself, obviously, some Birdland BS gear. Why is it that you're the only one in this room not wearing Birdland BS gear? That's a good question. It's probably in the dirty laundry. It probably is. <laughs> but anyway... Go get yourself some Berlin ABS gear. Check out the episodes. Also, the Shell and Tell podcast. Go check that out. They've been doing that. Put out two new episodes uh, over the past few weeks. So go check it out. Yeah. Follow us on all of our social media accounts. WWW. I'm sorry. WWW. Social media. WWF. <laughs> Twitter at Birdland BS, at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake BLBS, or BLBS. I'm so used to saying BLBS. Where are you? That's all, folks. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, the Big Play website, bigplay.com, the Big Play Twitter page, download the Big Play app. Also, make sure you check out Birdland Sports. We're on there as well as a feature. If you want your opinion or topic heard on the show, hashtag that's BLBS. And as always, be sure to check out the audio version of that podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever app you use, we're on it. Go check it out. Thanks for tuning in as always. We'll be back next week. You know the time. You know the place. Tuesdays, 7.30 Eastern time for Fred, Bartender Blake, and myself. We'll see you guys next week. Call!